Welcome back once again for another probably, I don't know, hour-long podcast with a bunch of content kind of filled into it on a nice nice little Saturday afternoon. It's bright. It's beautiful. It's like 70 degrees. Thank you, Global Warming, for making my winters, my fall slash spring, making my fall pretty much a extension of summer and summer into a nightmarish hellscape in which it is a hundred plus degrees for over two and a half months. Thank you, global warming. But I'm back uh, with some good news, bad news. Uh, the bad news is, is that uh, essentially we had to not have a podcast for like almost a week. Good news. And by the way, the reason for that is, is that essentially my semester defining assignments, I didn't really look into it until I don't even, I don't know when the last time I podcasted was. Let me, let me just look this up on my computer. When was the last time? I think it was a little bit over a week. Yikes. It was Thursday of last week and it's Saturday. Again, I apologize. The, uh, the reason why is that I had literally semester defining grades and assignments due all last week, pretty much on Monday, I'm still kind of getting caught up with some of them here today. Like I had some math, I have like 30, a 30 problem math assignment that was due this morning and I, um, I need to do it, but, um, it was stressful. It was a lot. I've also like when it rains, it pours, man, literally had to work six days this week. It was a lot. I kid you not about semester defining grades. Literally all of my finals will not count for, or at the very least, most of my finals will not count for the same value of points as these grades that I essentially had to turn in last week. I mean, it, it was ridiculous and almost every single course and almost every single class, it was like huge assignment, huge assignment, huge assignment, huge grade, huge grade, huge grade, huge test, huge test, huge test. But luckily I am pretty much done again, like next week is Thanksgiving and I'll get to the good news about that. But again, it was a lot. I had to buckle down and really get it done. And I just didn't have any time for podcasting. And even now, even after a monumental amount of rest, uh, kind of, but also I would like to have some more rest, but after like a lot of rest over the last couple of days, I'm still exhausted. I don't know how I'm this tired. I've slept so much over the last two days. I mean, I've gotten multiple days of like eight hours worth of sleep. I took a nap today as well. I took like two naps. And I mean, I'm not sleeping all day, but I'm sleeping like, I'm sleeping a ridiculous, I'm sleeping like a healthy amount and I'm still exhausted. Still exhausted. I'm tired right now. I, I also drank a Red Bull this today as well. I'm like, I'm like, how am I this tired? But I am tired. But good news is, but the bad news is, excuse me, is that didn't podcast for a week last week. Good news. That probably won't happen for the next month, month and a half because uh, the semester is winding down. It should get easier. I'm about to quit my job here in a couple of days. Thank God I'm about to put in my two weeks notice and uh, I'm about to move on. Thank Christ. As well as the semester is almost over as well. Uh, and here comes the really good news. We will have multiple podcasts for the next week or so. 
I'm not taking Monday off. It's a huge game. The Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. The only, like, really top-tier game that's on primetime outside of the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And we'll kind of talk about a lot of the matchups this week and also last week. Let me turn on my fan as well really, really fast. Hold on. Also, let me do something really, really fast. Hold on. Let me get something pulled up. Pulled up really fast. Give me one second. Hold on. Sorry about that. Let me turn on my fan. Give me one second. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. I'm back. And we got a lot to talk about here on the podcast. Huge, huge, huge conversations coming up about the rest of the league for the rest of the year. NFC contenders, AFC contenders, Baltimore last week. I know they just beat Cincinnati this Thursday. Baltimore potentially being a Super Bowl contender, but also having a a slight stumble, slight stump, stumble, not stump. The Bills once again choking to the not Cincinnati. Jesus Christ! I can't focus when I'm when I'm listening to Taylor Swift because I got my Taylor Swift card again. Turn it up! Turn it up! Sorry about that. Had to get that off my chest. Got my Taylor Swift merch. I'm ready to go see the Eras Tour Posit. Is it still playing in theaters? I don't know. Eras Tour. I don't know if it's still playing in theaters. I mean, it is, but it's getting real, real tight. I mean, I don't know. I think it's like playing today and tomorrow. I just... Oh no, it's it's playing in a lot of different places. I can I can go and see it. I do not want to uh, I don't want to see it at this movie theater. I want to go to a fancy one. Okay, it's still playing. It's still probably making millions upon millions of dollars. Anyways, lot to talk about. Potentially Dak Prescott being an MVP caliber player. We'll talk about it. Patrick playing up against the Eagles. Lot to get Lot to get just going here on the podcast, and I want to get through it very, very quickly because it's very important. And we'll get through it right here. 24's podcast. Keep seeing, it's just to keep you 
you ever heard He looks so pretty like a devil is I just didn't want, I just didn't want to fade her out, you know, when she's at like kind of the hook of the chorus. I guess I don't, I don't know music stuff. Oh, gosh, great show today, great show. It's probably gonna be a little bit shorter than really what I would want because uh, I gotta go to work again. But again, on top of quitting, I also took off next week, so that should be a whole lot of fun to have multiple days to where I get to podcast. I'm debating on whether or not I should podcast on Thursday, Thanksgiving or not. I'm not sure. Probably not because I have family stuff to do. But it's up in the air. It's up in the air. Because it's like the Cowboys, they play up against Washington. The Niners go up against Seattle. It's not as if there aren't any important games going on during that time, especially the Niners at Seattle. So I'm... Very, very excited to talk to you about some of those games. Now, huge games from last week and a kind of recap last week. I really, really wanted to talk about this all week long. I unfortunately did not because, again, I didn't didn't podcast for almost a week. But the thing that I wanted to talk about was this weird category that we find ourselves in with some of these quarterbacks that play in the NFL. These quarterbacks that have an incredible amount of talent, but for whatever reason have not lived up to that talent in a multitude of different ways. For example, we have Justin Herbert, great player, great talent, right? But the Chargers right now are sitting at four and five. They may not make it to the playoffs. The same thing goes for the Buffalo Bills. They're five and five. They've lost how many straight? They've lost two straight and really almost should have lost to the Buccaneers if Baker Mayfield's Hail Mary is successful, which it probably should have been. And then last week, They lose to the Denver Broncos, which they had absolutely no business losing to. Their next four games, folks, Jets tomorrow, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys. That's probably three, maybe four wins, or excuse me, three, maybe four losses right there. Josh Allen is too good to be losing this amount of games and to really... I mean, the Dolphins, they're 6-3. and three. The Bills are 5-5, five and five, so technically the Dolphins are two games up against the Bills. But really, this race should be a lot... It should, the Dolphins probably should be three to four games in front of the Bills. I mean, it's close, but, you know, it's getting to that point. They should, the Bills should be competing for the one seed in the conference, not pretty much anywhere close to the one seed in the division. In their division. So you have Justin Herbert with the Chargers potentially not going to the playoffs this year and probably going to get his head coach fired. 
You have Josh Allen and the Bills, who have made countless errors and mistakes when it comes to personnel, turning the football over. The season opener against the Jets comes to mind with how diabolical Josh Allen was in, uh, in regards to just literally being the sole reason why his team loses the football game. I mean, his stats right now, as much as people wanted to quote Dak Prescott and his horrendous turnovers last season, which that which weren't that horrendous when you consider the fact that most of his turnovers were literally guys not being able to catch the football and then the ball being deflected off of their hands. You think now that they're that those turnovers aren't as bad. Josh Allen fumbles snaps, throws bad passes, and I mean this isn't counting his fumbles that have been lost. This is just his interceptions to touchdowns. He is sitting right now at 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Really to be labeled as a great quarterback, you really want those numbers to be a 3 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. He's almost at a 1 to 1. He's 7 interceptions or excuse me, 8 interceptions away from being 1 to 1. He's terrible. He's terrible. I mean, let's take a look at the Bills as a football team as a whole. Let's just take a look, right? I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious to see how many great wins do they have? I think they have one. They have one, right? They lost to the Jets in the season opener, beat the crap out of the Raiders. They beat the Dolphins and kind of, in my opinion, a flute game. And then they beat the Jags or excuse me, the Jags beat them. But yeah, it's the Dolphins on October 1st. That's their only great win. That's it. And then they've had a bunch of bad losses. There's a difference. And a lot of people make this mistake about the Dallas Cowboys all the time. They make the same mistake. And the mistake that they make is, well, the Dallas Cowboys beat up on tomato cans. And it's like they're fugazi. They're not a real football team because they beat up on all these bad football teams. And it's just like, well, the Bills can't even do that properly. The Giants played the Bills on October 15th, a little bit over a month ago. Score was 9-14. to This was the game in which the Giants had had the football on the one-yard line of the Buffalo Bills, and in my opinion, they should have ran the football with Saquon Bar- Barkley, but I think they threw like a fade or uh, a post route essentially on the one-yard line to Darren Waller, and it was Tyrod Taylor, I think, that was playing, and he just completely whiffed it. On fourth down, final play of the game, ball game instead of doing the tush push or some something else, some other running play, at least in my opinion. And so, of course, of course, the Bills, they ink out another close win against an opponent that they really should have dominated. My point in elaborating in all of this is saying, like, look, it's nice and it's cute to say, well, Dallas only beats these bad teams And it's not that big of a deal that they beat them by 20 or 30 points or whatever because that's what they're supposed to quote-unquote do. It's one thing to say that, and then another to see the Buffalo Bills essentially fumble and stumble around for over a month against opponents that they should have completely and utterly taken out to the back of the woodshed like old Yeller and put them down like a rabid dog. And this weekend, they go up against their the exact same team that they underestimated in the season opener, the New York Jets, a game in which they should 1,000% dominate and win. 
And then they have three back-to-back-to-back games against horrendously difficult opponents. This is probably going to be the hardest stretch of their entire season after the Jets this weekend. Eagles at Eagles at Chiefs, first and foremost. Then the Cowboys come to to town on December 17th. It's a brutal schedule. Brutal. And the one thing that the Eagles and the Cowboys do, and that's pressure. They pressure incredibly effectively and well against the quarterback. The Bills' defense is overrated. I remember I saw something interesting. I saw something interesting the other day. I saw that the Bills had extended Sean McDermott and their GM again, or something like that. I think it was uh, like a couple months ago. And we don't know the figures because they haven't released the figures yet. How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous does it look? I, I'm, a, I'm a fan, or at least I was a fan of Sean McDermott, but when you have a talent like Josh Allen and you can't figure out your defense, and in my opinion, he's had multiple years to figure out his defense, they've swung and missed and swung and missed and swung and missed over and over and over and over and over again on free agent acquisitions outside of Von Miller, of course, as well as draft picks. They don't really have a solid defense at all or good defense at all. And they're not aggressive enough to make some really huge decisions, not decisions, excuse me, but moves to help out either their defense, which Sean McDermott is the head coach of, or the coach of now with Leslie Frazier moving on. They don't help out their defense or they don't help out their offense. It's like you got to help out one or the other. And it just seems like I don't know if they've been neutered because of their mistakes, like they're, they've made a mistake, so now they're afraid to make another mistake, so they're just like, we're, we're just not going to do anything, I don't know if that's their philosophy on the matter, regardless, they continuously fail at acquiring players to help push the roster further towards Kansas City, and now they're just super far behind the Dolphins, and it's just, I, like, I don't know what they're going to do, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, But I was talking about, before I went on that nice little diatribe about the Bills, I was talking about how the NFL has this new category, at least in my opinion, of of quarterbacks that are talented, but do not measure up to their talent in regards to to career success outside of statistical success. Like Carmelo Anthony, um, Russell Westbrook in terms of basketball, um, who else, player-wise? Russell Westbrook, James Harden, again, he's another guy. I'm trying to think of a baseball guy. Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, they all come to mind when it comes to great players, generational talent, potentially generational players, no championships, no success. I I mean, we can even kind of put Shohei Otani in that category as well. It's like once once in a generation type player, really no playoff, and championship success. I think in football, it would be Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and finally, kind of the guy that I wanted to talk about today, Trevor Lawrence. What on God's green earth was that against the Niners? He was terrible. He was God-awful. 17 of 29 for 185 yards and two interceptions horrendous. He lost two fumbles as well. So he had four turtle total 
turnovers and five sacks as well to go along with that. And he barely, and I mean barely, was like above 50%. Barely. Trevor was bad. I mean, not bad, excuse me. Trevor was god-awful on Sunday. They couldn't run the football with Travis Etienne. Christian Kirk popped off. There's still a lack, in my opinion. There's still a lack in a connection with Calvin Ridley. Which I, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand why Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence are just so disconnected as a quarterback-wide receiver duo. This was supposed to be his guy. This was it. Calvin Ridley is on pace for one of his worst seasons on record. When he's fully playing, by the way. He's fully playing. Currently, he is on pace for his worst career year when it comes to yards and touchdowns. Catches, he's like he's he's fine. But like yards, touchdowns, one of his worst years on record. Especially with touchdowns. He's a touchdown machine. His last full season, he had 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns. This season, 471 yards were past the halfway point, two touchdowns. He's nowhere close to where he once was. And again, if I can compare him to, I I think Calvin Ridley could be a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. When you look at what Dallas is doing, and this is another thing that I just don't understand, whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Doug Peterson or the offensive coordinator or whoever is designing the plays and all of that good stuff. It's just something I, I scratch my head because I just, I don't understand what is going on in Jacksonville. It's weird. CeeDee Lamb right now is 25 yards away from having a 1,000-yard season. We're, again, a little bit past the midway point. He's got about six more weeks. He's had over he's had over 117 yards in the last in every single game for the last four games. He's been absolutely phenomenal. They've just said, we're going to CD. It's just we're going to CD. We're not doing this game. We're, we're trying to spread the ball around and we're trying to run the football. CD Lamb will have like 10, we'll have probably 15 targets or something like that per game, and he'll pop off for over 150 doggone yards like he's playing college football again. It's ridiculous how many targets CeeDee Lamb gets. And yards, of course. And then I'll watch Calvin Ridley, and I'm like, what's going on? Calvin's so much better than what he currently is displaying statistic-wise. This was a huge acquisition for me at the time when they acquired him a couple of years ago. I was like, this this guy could, could really shape up what the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing. I said a couple of weeks ago, when I gave out my predictions for who is going to go to the playoffs this year. I said I felt like the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to win their division and the Houston Texans were going to bring up the rear as the team in the AFC South that was going to qualify for the playoffs because, I mean, like, look at the Texans. They're 5-4. and four. They're like one game pretty much out. They're two games behind the one, excuse me, they're three games behind, I thought the Chiefs were the one seed, but the Ravens just played, so it, we're kind of in this weird time zone where we're literally right in between 
the previous week and at the start of this week. So it's the Ravens are eight and three, but the Kansas City Chiefs will see what happens against the Eagles this week on Monday Night Football. But the Ravens are the one seed currently. We'll see what happens with the Chiefs. But the Jags right now, right now, are six and three. Texans are five and four. They're one game behind the Jags. And I think, didn't the Texans beat the Jags earlier this year? Yeah, 37 to 17. That's what I'm talking about. 37 37 to 17, not 13, excuse me. It's a very weird premise. And it's like CJ Stroud, God bless him, is doing it with kind of tomato cans. I mean, Noah Brown is one of his number one guys. I hated Noah Brown last year because he was god-awful for Dallas. Noah Brown is pretty much doing C.D. Lamb type of stuff. I mean, he had six receptions against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 153 yards, one touchdown. And then last week, he he freaking went gangbusters and was like, I'm going to have seven receptions, 172 yards, 24 yards per catch, no touchdowns, but you're fine with that. It's a win against the Bengals. I mean, my God. Incredible performance by C.J. Stroud. Tomato cans. And can I say something? We've, we have supplanted Trevor Lawrence as the top guy. This guy is the top guy of his generation. And he hasn't proven it yet. At the NFL level, he just hasn't. And I felt that this was, ironically enough, the weakest this division has been really in its history. Maybe not in its history, excuse me, but in the last five years, historically. I was like, oh, this is this is as weak almost as when the Jacksonville Jaguars had won their division in 2017, where the Colts were just irrelevant. The Texans had just drafted Deshaun Watson, and he was having an amazing rookie year until he got hurt in practice. And then it was just like the Texans were useless. And then the Titans were the Titans. Nobody cared about the Titans. Nobody thought that they were a threat at all. And I thought, well, shoot, this could be a perfect opportunity for the Jacksonville Jaguars to make a a run in the playoffs and see what they can potentially do. They needed some free agency acquisitions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like the Dolphins, to me, they just look like a first-round elimination in the playoffs, potentially by their own divisional opponent. Hell, I mean, they could, right now I have them winning their division. It could be, it could be that literally they lose to the Texans. Literally next week in Houston. Huge game. Underrated game. But it's a very, very huge game. Because it could point to the direction of that team. I think Jacksonville is a significantly better football team than the Houston Texans. But if Jacksonville goes to Houston, and if they lose to the Texans next week, not this week, they go up against... I mean, technically today is Saturday, so like it's we're in this very weird spot again where it's like... We have essentially two weeks of like a lot of football in multiple days. It's like in five to six days, we're going to have essentially two weeks going on. It's very confusing. But literally in the next week, we could see the Jacksonville Jaguars play two games and lose both of them and give up the roster, or not the roster, but the one seed to the Houston Texans. In a year in which Houston had two of the top picks 
in the draft. And people would say, well, 24, that's the reason why Houston is so successful because they have so many awesome picks and so many awesome players. And I think you're right in some ways. I think you're correct and right in the sense of Houston has C.J. Stroud, and that's why they're winning a lot of games. I think you're right in that regard. But it's not like Houston are world beaters and they have all of these amazing picks and all these guys are panning out for them. Derek Stingley is a terrible, terrible pick. I said so two years ago. I'll say so again. Terrible pick. Kenyon Green is like either hurt or just not playing very well when he is playing. But it's all that guy. It's all C.J. Stroud. And I knew C.J. Stroud, once again, great talent. But I didn't think that he was going to essentially come into the to the league and whoop everybody's fucking ass. Year one, essentially game one. Maybe not game one, but year one, essentially. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, man. C.J. Stroud is just... He is doing the things that we all expected Trevor Lawrence to do. And this is why this is why I think it's very, very important to make the distinction of like talented but overrated. Let me show you CJ Stroud's numbers here. Okay? And then I'll show you Trevor's. And I mean hell, we can even we can even include Josh Allen's numbers. Let me let me pull up <clears throat> let me pull up these guys' numbers. This I mean it's just crazy. Crazy type of stuff. I'll you know what? I'll pull up. Josh's, Trevor's, Justin's, and Mahomes' numbers. But give me like a couple of seconds because I got to pull. I literally have to like get their uh, get their statistics from Google. So I got to like type in all of their. And I'm typing one handed because I'm holding a mug for some weird reason. I'm just like I'm drinking tea and holding a mug. I'm like just put the mug down, dude. So that way we can do this faster. We got Mahomes, and then so we got CJ's numbers, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Mahomes, and then Trevor. Let me show you. This is this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Rookie guy, rookie quarterback. Jesus fucking Christ, Trevor's his numbers are so fucking bad. Holy Christ, his numbers are god awful. I mean, they really are. They are tear. How many games have the Jags won? They've won six games. How did they? It's ETN. That's why. That explains it. I'm like going through this process and I'm coming to these conclusions now. Let me look at ETN's numbers. ETN, I do remember this. ETN, tra- if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm like, I'm processing information as I'm talking to you. Travis ETN, running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, one of the best running backs when it comes to yards currently in the NFL. ETN has like 618 yards, seven touchdowns. His rushing yards per carry are not very good. In fact, they're kind of bad. They're 3.9, but his but they just run the football a lot. Like he has 160 carries and it's halfway to the season. It's like this dude is could get somewhere close to 400 carries in a regular season, which is god awful. It's god awful that they have to rely on him that much. And then they also have seven total touchdowns with him. Or at least seven rushing touchdowns. It's god awful. But here's CJ Stroud's numbers, right? 2,600 yards. He's one of the league leaders in yards this season. 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, that's elite. That's elite right there. Remember how I was talking about how you're a great quarterback if you have a 3-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio? C.J. Stroud has a 
seven to one, or technically it's a seven point five to one touchdown interception ratio. He's fantastic, fantastic. This is a guy in which the talent meets the expectations. Now, also to kind of extend this thought, right, of C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud to me didn't need to do anything for me as a analyst because C.J. Stroud is on a football team that sucks. It would be ridiculous to say, well, C.J. Stroud needs to win a bunch of games this season and da-da-da-da-da. It's like, well, his team was one of the worst teams in the NFL, not just this year, but the last year and the year before that. He was, this team was horrendous. It was terrible. So I'm not going to expect C.J. to go out and be a franchise changer and a franchise leader for his team when his team can't even do something as simple as retaining a head coach past a year. That's ridiculous. And yet, C.J. Stroud is absolutely killing the game. Josh Allen, right? Remember that 2,600 yards for C.J. Stroud, 15 touchdowns? Two interceptions. Keep those numbers in your mind. 2,600 yards, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions for C.J. Stroud, right? Bad team without him. One of a, a very scrappy Houston Texans team with him. Potentially could win 10 games this season. Josh Allen, at quarterback, supposed to be better. Better players. More time in the league. 19 touchdowns, 11 yards, or 11 interceptions, excuse me, 2,600 yards. He is C.J. Stroud, but with more turnovers and on a better football team. Justin Herbert, 2,300 yards, 17 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. He's C.J. Stroud with less yards... A tad bit more interceptions and less wins. And the wins being like, not the wins, but the losses really being brutal. On a significantly better team, by the way. Like, the Chargers are just, when it comes to personnel, completely and utterly blow the Texans out of the water when it comes to personnel. Patrick Mahomes, even. 2,400 yards, 17 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. C.J. Stroud, essentially. Less yards, more interceptions, less efficient. That's Patrick Mahomes. He's like the best quarterback in the NFL. And then finally, Trevor Lawrence, who is playing God awfully. We haven't even counted his fumbles, by the way, that he lost this year. 2,100 yards, nine touchdowns, six interceptions. This is essentially bad quarterback play. I mean, he has a lot of yards, but it's bad. And there is a question that was posed. There was two names that came out from this past weekend, from this previous weekend. Let me take a swig of my tea, and then I'll continue. Sorry about that. There were two names that people started to put a lot of momentum behind when it comes to the MVP. Dak Prescott and CJ Stroud. And we'll talk about Dak here in a couple of minutes. But CJ has done an immaculate job this year. He's great. He's unstoppable. He's gutsy. He wins games. And he's talented. He's mega talented. But unlike, unlike Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, the dude is efficient. The dude wins games. Sometimes ugly. Sometimes nice. And he is mega successful early on in his career. 
And that's why I wanted to talk to you today about this category of like talented but overrated. Because we have, with the rise and the advent of really this modern passing league that we have, we found a lot more guys that are talented in the league. But they're all not Patrick Mahomes. I think we've kind of incorrectly compared and contrasted certain guys that are talented with Patrick Mahomes because we exclusively, it's easy to spot out the talent. It's easy to be like, boom, he's talented. This guy's great. He'll be as great as Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is talented. But Patrick Mahomes is also efficient and effective and he's gutsy. The Super Bowl, playing on one leg, beating essentially one of the most prolific defenses statistically in the NFL, in the history of the sport, in the Philadelphia Eagles last year. They like rivaled the 1985 Chicago Bears when it came to the sacks that they were able to produce last season. Beat them on one leg. But C.J. Stroud, Cardinals tomorrow, 1 o'clock, huge game. Next week, Jacksonville at 1 o'clock, potentially for the division. Here's the rest of their games going down after Jacksonville. Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans again, and then Colts. That is, by my count, the Jets have a backup quarterback, Browns have a backup quarterback, Colts have a backup quarterback, and then the Titans have a backup quarterback. That is five of your next six games post the Jacksonville Jaguars in which you're going to be going up against backup quarterback. If you're the Houston Texans, Houston could potentially in the next eight games lose only one to two. Just saying. I'm just saying. Houston potentially could be a problem for the AFC South. Maybe not the rest of the AFC, but definitely for the AFC South. And it's something that Jacksonville should be very, very concerned about because it looks like essentially... Jacksonville is overly reliant on Travis Etienne. Again, 160 carries already, 618 yards. And Trevor Lawrence doesn't even have double-digit touchdowns and we're already midway through the season. I mean, Trevor, to put that into context, Trevor had 25 touchdowns last year. And the year with Urban Meyer being absolutely despicable and disgraceful as a head coach, he had 12. He had 12 touchdowns. I mean, granted, he should, Trevor should finish with double-digit touchdowns. I'm just saying it's taking forever for him to get there, which is not very good. It's not very good at all. So, talked about Trevor, talked about C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. Interesting football team. Now... Let's talk about them good old cowboys. Let's talk about the cowboys. Also, uh, let me eat some crow here a little bit about the 49ers because I thought they were going to choke against the uh, the Jags. But then, of course, they got they got their all pros. They got all their boys back. They got Trent Williams. They got Debo Samuel. They got all their guys back. They won 30. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I thought that they were going to put up a fight. I guess not. I guess they didn't play. I guess they didn't want to play. Beat the crap out of Jacksonville. Great win for the Niners after losing three in a row. Keeps them in play for the one seed. They go up against the Eagles, I believe, in about two weeks. Right? Three weeks. 
this weekend or technically tomorrow, it's the Buccaneers on Thursday night football on Thanksgiving. They go into Seattle and play up against Seattle. That could be an interesting game. And then the following week on December 3rd, they go up against the Eagles again. And then the week after that, they go back and they play up against Seattle. And then and then two weeks, they go up against the Ravens. So there could, they, they, they could still lose. They could still lose. But it, they, they got to get on another losing streak here in a couple of games. We will see what happens. But yes, I, I was so sure about that game. And yikes, the Jacksonville Jaguars absolutely got butchered last Sunday. Another fascinating game that kind of brought out a lot of uh, attention to it was the Browns game against the Baltimore Ravens, where the Baltimore Ravens had like, I think, a 14 point lead going into the fourth quarter. And then they lost it because Lamar Jackson, I think, had like two or three turnovers in the uh, in the fourth quarter it was bad it made Deshaun it was so bad it made Deshaun watch and actually kind of look good Browns miraculously with so much dysfunction going on in their locker room in their in their team the Broncos or not the Broncos the Browns are like six and three the Ravens are seven and three it's shocking that the Browns are even anywhere in the playoff picture let alone like two games back really and there was a lot of conversation about it, a lot of conversation surrounding Lamar in the sense of, is Lamar Jackson overrated? Is he a turnover machine, et cetera, et cetera? I don't really know what's going on with Lamar. I think you can probably say that he definitely does have some games in which he does have hiccups on because it's pretty consistent, right, with his play. But he'll have weirdly awesome games as well. Like, for example, against the Bengals on Thursday night football against Seattle against the Lions I mean it's it's one thing I get it right he lost to the Browns horrendous loss horrendous fourth quarter by Lamar just terrible job overall dude look at these wins against two of the top teams in the NFC the Lions and the Seattle Seahawks it's 37 to 3 against Seattle 38 to 6 against the Lions we're not talking about oh my god the Ravens beat two of the best teams in the NFC they dominated them dominated them and i cannot i cannot just brush over that i can't they're they're two fantastic wins if this was college football right and i don't i don't care about undefeated records but if this is college football, this would be, I mean, this would be season-defining wins for the Baltimore Ravens. And people are just like, yeah, you know, who cares? They lost to the Browns a week ago. I'm like, I don't care. I don't. My God. The Ravens are just, and I get it. They've, they've had some horrendous losses, the Browns being one of them, the Steelers being another, losing in overtime against the Colts. Terrible losses, but my some of their victories, man, are just insane. And again, I know the Bengals didn't have Joe for pretty much the majority, if not the entirety of the second half on Thursday, but my God. Baltimore just beating the crap out of certain people, of certain opponents at times is just phenomenal. Just phenomenal from Baltimore. Am I worried to kind of like also to give a full compound thought? Right, two thoughts happening at the exact same time. To give you like 
more perspective on the matter. Do I think that potentially Lamar Jackson's turnovers in the clutch could be a problem? Absolutely. We're not even talking about a better team beating the Baltimore Ravens. We are talk, uh, potentially beating the Baltimore Ravens if Lamar Jackson has multiple turnovers. Like we, we have evidence that even a bad team can beat Lamar Jackson if he has multiple horrendous fourth quarter turnovers. We just have that. It, it happened last Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. So we can infer that a team like Kansas City would be able to beat the Ravens if he has multiple fourth quarter comeback. Or not comebacks, excuse me, but turnovers. And so I think this is, I don't want to say controversial, but I think the only way that we'll kind of know what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson is when they play in the playoffs. That's the cool thing about the playoffs. We can see what happens with people and players in the playoffs. Like, we'll be able to see it. We'll be able to know how these players perform in the playoffs it's different in the regular season but in the postseason that's when kind of the de facto stamp gets posted on a player or a team it's just like well what happens it's it's the stamp that dallas constantly gets every single year it's like dallas has great regular seasons poor postseasons right so but baltimore in the span of a week goes from being kind of like laughed at to now being like praised as like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe how many awesome games they've had. Or not awesome games, excuse me, but what an awesome one they have against the uh, the Cleveland Browns. Anyways. Any more top tier games kind of coming out? Patriots are a mess. If I can talk about the Patriots for a couple minutes, let me. Let me also turn off my AC. I'm wearing a cardigan and shorts right now. Weird combination, I know, but I'm very comfortable right now, to be honest with you. I get why people wear cardigans. I'm like, this thing is very comfortable. I can roll up my sleeves easily. It's very, very airy, but it also traps my body heat in very, very well. So I'm also very warm. I just hate how itchy it is. You know, it's like it's not, like the stitching, the fabric, depending on what it is, it can be itchy and things of that nature. It's not very good. Like some stuff has to be figured out with these cardigans now. But I like this cardigan. Looks good, feels good. It's not overly large and bulky. It's tight, but it's not tight. It looks good on me. I like it. Let me turn off my AC. Hold on. Okay. Anyways. Really not a lot going on from last week's games. I'm not really going to enter and talk about the draft here because uh, the draft doesn't really matter at this point to me. I kind of want to stay focused on the uh, the regular season. The Bengals lost to the Texans a week ago. But also, if we can, let's talk about the Bengals. Bengals really have an interesting season. Had an interesting... Their season is over. It's done. It's over. Tank. Try and get your best players. Try and see if you can't get a top-tier, another top-tier wide receiver, or or just a top-tier defensive player. Or really, you know what? Scratch defensive player. Scratch wide receiver. Get yourself a doggone offensive lineman, man. I mean, my God. Can we figure out that offensive line position for Joe Burrow, please? And thank you. It's not a strong offensive line draft class for sure. But 
you can't just send Joe Burrow out to go up against the Baltimore Ravens again, against TJ Watt again, and against Miles Garrett again without some type of backup, without some type of help. And it's going to be even harder because you're going to lose T. Higgins potentially next year. They gambled. They should have traded T. Higgins this season, but they said this, Kansas City is potentially weak because they don't really have a top-tier wide receiver. Their defense is a tad bit overrated, and we're going to try and push the Kansas City Chiefs this year offensively, and they kind of had a lateral move with their offensive line. They didn't really do too much, but I liked somewhat their aggressiveness in the context and in the sense of they were not going to trade away T. Higgins because it would have made them a worse overall team, and they kind of could smell blood in the water with Kansas City, but with Joe Burrow having that calf strain in the first season, and again, this is not the first season, but in the first, not even in the first game, but in the preseason, and then having apparently a torn ligament in his throwing hand, I mean, he's done. He's done. And then apparently, the Bengals could have potentially have hidden the injury because it's being reported, not even reported, we have images, we have footage of him walking into the stadium with some type of wrapping around his right hand, and apparently the Bengals didn't report it, which that's a big no-no, that's not okay, Joe could have potentially been hurt before the game, and he could have been hurt, his injury, excuse me, could have been hurt during the game, and I already didn't, and I, I don't know if he had an injury for sure, before going into the game, but I certainly am not going to put it above the Bengals to essentially play one of their players, one of their their top and most important player in Joe Burrow with an injury when they already did that about two or three months ago when they played him week one with an injury against uh, some other team. I think it was the Browns or something like that. I forgot who they played them played him against. And I was like, rest him. This injury reportedly needs like over a month to heal and you played him after three weeks. It didn't make any sense. Franchise guy, franchise quarterback, most important player on your team. And they should have benched him. Let his body heal. And now he's done for the entirety of the season. So, it is what it is. The Bengals have not learned their lesson whatsoever. Whatsoever. About Joe Burrow. We talked a little bit about the Broncos and the Bills. Do I need to elaborate any further about this football team? the Bills, I don't think so, I, like, Josh Allen, mega talented, awesome player, but just, potential to be an awesome player, but, oh boy, just consistently disappoints, against a team like the Denver Broncos, man, man, oh man, what are we gonna do with Josh? I don't know. It's not really my problem. <laughs> but let's talk about the Giants versus the Cowboys. Okay. Huge victory for the Cowboys against a divisional opponent. And I'll speak from both sides. I'll speak for both sides. I'll speak for the Dallas Cowboys. And I'll speak from the perspective of the New York Giants. First, let's talk about the Cowboys. Cowboys had an awesome win on Sunday. They have found something with Dak Prescott running. I mean, he's been phenomenal. You can't even say that he's that he hasn't played well or he only plays well against bad teams because he absolutely destroyed 
the Philadelphia Eagles about two weeks ago. Really should have won that game if the referees were better at their freaking jobs. But Dak has been on an absolute tear. If I look up his stats, his stats are like, his stats are insane. Let me show you something. Like, post that 49ers game, dude, what is, like, this guy, I don't know what Wheaties he's eating, but I gotta eat, I gotta eat whatever Dak Prescott's eating. My God, this dude has, what is it, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, that's pretty much C.J. Stroud's whole damn year right there in, like, four weeks. And then on top of that, he also has just two interceptions as well against C.J., again, it's C.J. Stroud type of stuff. And then he has, in those four respective games, 272 yards, 304, 374, and then 404 yards. Every single week, he has gotten better and better and better, more accurate, more decisive. He's gotten more punishing. I mean, it's why everybody's like, this is going to be bloody Mary or bloody murder, excuse me, against the Panthers this week because the Panthers aren't very good and Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb have been destroying people. My God, man. It's just it's just incredible what Dak has been doing over the last four weeks. And look, man, people will say, well, well he's only doing it against bad football teams, 24. It's like, well, dude, who cares? Okay, who cares? The only other guy that's really doing something even close to this is C.J. Shroud. Which is why I was like, I previewed this point in this topic of saying like, look, right now the two MVPs are probably CJ Stroud, number one, Dak Prescott, number two, and then Lamar, number three. Those are the three guys that are that are the most important to their team's overall success while also being some of the best players in the NFL. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. And Dak's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal. Last three games, last four games, three of four. Really should have won two weeks ago against the Eagles. Fantastic game, fantastic job. And the Cowboys put an absolute ass whooping against the Giants and Brian Dable. I mean, it just, at certain points, it just wasn't even close. They These two teams weren't even close offensively. There is that one kind of early drive in which Dallas stuttered and faltered, but then you just completely forgot about it because of just the absolute shellacking that Dallas put on because of the final results. It's just, it's insane how dominant Dallas was against the uh, the Giants, and they weren't even that particularly great on defense. I mean, they were. How many times did they sack? I, I mean, they went up against some guy that lives with his mom. But yeah, they sacked him five times. Never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. 640 yards, 472 passing yards, 168 rushing yards. And I mean, zero sacks allowed. The offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys is playing significantly better than they've played pretty much all season long. Some teams hit their stride at and around this time. When it comes time to win games, some teams win games and start playing significantly better. We'll see if Dallas can continue this trend going forward. But currently, Dallas is playing the way that you would want essentially a top-tier playoff contender to play. They're winning games. They're dominating opponents. They're getting better and better every single week. 
they're beating opponents that they should. Tomorrow they go up against the Panthers, and everybody's everybody has the, these weird conclusions with the Cowboys in the sense of, well, who cares if they're beating tomato cans? It's like, well, two months ago they lost to a tomato can after uh, beating two teams that people thought were bad. And by the way, the Jets, they're, they're like, I think, one game behind the Bills, and they beat the Bills. Uh, they beat the Bills like earlier this year in week one. But the Cowboys, they go up against the Cardinals week three, and they get shellacked. A couple of weeks later, they go up against the 49ers. They get absolutely dominated after a loss. Dallas really hasn't looked that bad in over two months. Like the way that they played up against the Giants and the Eagles, it could have potentially have let them beat both of those teams that they lost to. And so Dallas's next five are against the Panthers, Commanders, Seattle, Eagles, and Bills. I think three of those five games are wins. And the hardest games, the three of five, are Panthers, Commanders, and Bills, because I think the Bills are just overrated. And then the other two difficult games are Seattle and the Eagles, and they both play at Dallas. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of things lining up for Dallas. 49ers are about to enter all three of these teams, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the 49ers. The four, the three teams that I felt like were the three top contenders for the NFC. They're all entering into their own respective difficult stretches in the regular season. However, I think Dallas out of the four or out of the three has easily the easiest stretch while also having just significant games that can define the rest of the regular season. The tiebreaker against the Lions because the Lions have like seven wins. The tiebreaker against the Eagles because again, they're a divisional opponent. The tiebreaker against Seattle. Huge games, huge wins while also having... This week against the Panthers, Thanksgiving against the Commanders at home in Dallas. They have three games in which they're home. Commanders, Seattle, and then Eagles. And then it's just like, it's just a lot of things are lining up for Dallas right now. A lot of things are lining up for Dallas. A lot of things aren't lining up for the Commanders. Let me tell you something. It is not. This regular season is absolutely not commanders, excuse me, the Giants. I mean, the Giants, they're pretty much back to point blank, uh, or uh, not to point blank, excuse me, but to square one with just how god-awful they are. And people can blame it on injuries, and that's fine. I would argue strongly and significantly for... Brian Dable and the New York Giants to really reconsider a lot of their decisions that they made in the last year or so. Brian Dable, let's all have our come to Jesus moment. Everybody was juiced up on. He's the Giants head coach, so he gets a lot of media attention because the Giants are in New York. And the Giants are overrated. They were overrated last year. I thought they were overrated last year. They were overrated this year. A lot of people thought that they could beat Dallas this year, and I, I didn't see it. They have, look, and I get it. Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas are hurt. 
Andrew Thomas was all pro last year. I thought that was a little bit of smoke. I thought that was Fugazi. Evan Neal, their first round draft pick, their top tier pick from Alabama, who I thought was one of the best pass uh, pass blocking tackles I've ever seen in my entire life, looks like an absolute donut playing football right now. I don't know what they're doing. And the Giants defensively are terrible. The Giants offensively are without any type of direction. Brian Dable has no idea what he's kind of doing right now. And it's just, it's one significant issue after another. One just, not one inability, but just an inability to create any momentum. And this has been going on for almost a decade now. I mean, they can't even beat the Cowboys. Or not even beat the Cowboys is the right term for it. They can't compete against the Cowboys. They're uncompetitive. They've lost twice and they've given against the Cowboys and they've given up 40 points in both games. It's like, like, what do you want? What else do you need to see? They are uncompetitive against one of their top divisional opponents and rivals. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. And I said something at the beginning of the regular season, almost as a forewarning to this moment. I said the previous two coaches, Joe Judge and Pat Shermer, all both of them, and I think even Ben McAdoo, were fired within two years of being hired by the New York Giants. I mean, they had a very, very quick rotation. After that 40 to what was it? The first loss against it was it forty to zero. Jesus Christ, it was. After that forty to zero loss against the Cowboys opening night on primetime on Sunday night football in New York, do you think that those two, really three bums at head coach, in Joe Judge, Pat Shermer, and Ben McAdoo, the wackadoo, would have kept their job past that moment? The same thing. I'll extend that same question. Except I'll add on the 49-17 to 17 loss last Sunday. Do you think those guys would have kept their jobs after having another horrendous performance against the same exact opponent weeks later with almost the exact same result? A devastating loss to the New York Giants. Or not to the New York Giants, excuse me, to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the answer is obvious. The answer is no, they wouldn't have kept their jobs, but I'm asking it rhetorically, obviously. But yeah, it's just, I don't know what the Giants are going to do. It seems like they've ran out of options here at head coach, and it seems like they've kind of run out of options when it comes also to player, player personnel. It's like, they had multiple first-round draft picks. They spent multiple first-round draft picks on offensive linemen. They got Andrew Thomas, who's injury-prone and I think overrated, and Evan Neal, who is god-awful. Evan Neal's going into his third year next year. I mean, the Giants' season is over with. Daniel Jones is hurt. Let me look at overthecap.com. I mean, Daniel Jones, keep in mind, right? Keep in mind for the folks at home. Let me look this up. Let me look this up. I mean, I remember, what was it, Tiki Barber or Marion Barber? One of them was like, I would rather have Daniel Jones over Dak Prescott going into like week one. Like that's what somebody said. And the Giants, the perception was 
Brian Dable was a better coach than Mike McCarthy. Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. And now it's like, well, holy shit, you're on the hook. Let me look up Daniel Jones' numbers really fast. Numbers being, by the way, not his stats, but his how much money he's going to make. Here, hold on. Let me look it up. I think I got to Google him because he's hurt. Give me two seconds. Okay. Daniel Jones, over the next... A, you can't cut him. Over the next two years, he's going to make like $62 million. And so you cut him... What is it? You cut him next year. You owe him $66 million. You cut him in 2024. 20, you owe him $22 million. And then the next two years... If you cut them, you still will have dead money. Dead money meaning money that you can't use. So you'll have one year, you'll have $22 million in dead money. So you just wipe out $22 million in cap space. Another year, you'll have $11 million as well. You won't be able to essentially, and you'll be in the green when it comes to cutting him, but you won't be able to cut him for two years. Like he's your quarterback until 2025. Good job, Joe Shine and... Uh, Brian Dable, you got your guy, your horrendous quarterback that can't stay healthy, can't duel with Dak Prescott, can't beat the Dallas Cowboys, never beat the Dallas Cowboys. Keep in mind, Daniel Jones, actually, I think he has beat the Dallas Cowboys, but that was without Dak Prescott. But we'll just say that he hasn't ever beaten the Dallas Cowboys. Daniel's never beaten the Cowboys. Giants haven't beaten the Dallas Cowboys when Dak Prescott is playing. It has been an absolutely horrendous sequence of events this season for the New York Giants. And, I mean, luckily like luckily, they won't really have that much to figure out. I mean, it, I, I would just tank for the rest of the season and try and get one of the young quarterbacks and develop him into a star player. While probably wasting another year with Brian Dable, I don't think... I, I've seen enough of Brian. I think he deserves to be fired. I mean, goodness gracious, his this season has just been god-awful. And even the push, for example, to try and get Saquon Barkley and try and keep him on your team, I think was just a wash. I just, I mean, even against, like, hey, they've, they've, they've come close to beating the Giants, not the Giants, the Bills. They, they came close, but then it's just like, that, that Jets game where there was, like, I think 600 yards or 1,000 yards, I think, in punts or something like that. How many punts were there in that game? How many punts? I mean, there was 11 for the Jets, 13 for the Giants. What do you want me to do? I mean, just two horrendous teams going up against each other. Except one is winning games. Like, the Jets are actually winning games. They're 4-5. and five. Giants are 2-8. and eight. I mean, it's back to what they were like two years ago. They're bad. Not bad. They are unequivocally one of the worst teams in the NFL. Okay. Anything else I got? Anything else? Talked about how Burroughs hurt for the entirety of the season. Uh, anything else I want to talk about? 
I don't I don't really know what else. It, like I I could for example talk about how Joe Burrow or not Joe Burrow but Justin Fields is going to play again. I you know what? let's let's stay there. Let's stay in Chicago. Justin Fields has been hurt once again. I think he's been hurt for over a month. Bears have been irrelevant. I mean they're always irrelevant. Let me let me let me elaborate even more how bad the Giants are. Giants are two and eight. Bears are three and seven. With like a backup. It's like, bro, like whew, man, the Giants are bad. Bears, though, lost, directionless, purposeless. Not very good. They are once again acquiring and accumulating draft picks because, once again, they have a bunch of of uh, of picks because they traded away their the number one overall pick to Carolina, so that way they could get Bryce Young. And really, the Bears, like the Giants, lack direction. And I I look at the Giants and the Bears kind of in the same way. They're not very good. They aren't very well run. And we're here now, multiple years into the future of them, of these two respective teams, drafting their quarterbacks. And they are still just, I mean, they're still just like, they're still just not doing anything correct, it looks like to me. I'm tired. Forgive me for some incoherent thoughts. The question kind of has come up whether or not you move on from Justin Fields or not. And if I just got the job to be the GM of the Chicago Bears, I would certainly consider it. But I would also, to be honest with you, consider... I would also consider... uh, continuing with Justin Fields. The season hasn't worked out the way that they thought it would. They thought that they would essentially get DJ Moore and Darnell Wright and they would be okay. And then they would add some defensive players and bada bing, bada boom, they would have a better, higher win total. And shockingly enough, they absolutely did not. Justin got hurt again. And the bears are just, they're just terrible. Purposeless, leaderless, directionless, haven't really made a good move really ever. I mean, you can't even argue that the Justin Fields move has been a great move. What was the, he hasn't, I don't think he's ever beaten the Packers like ever again. It's just, it's not a very, it's not a very good look for the bears right now. They exhaust me because I feel like every single time I talk about Chicago, I talk about the exact same storylines, how they're overrated how they're incoherent, how they are directionless and purposeless. And even on top of that, how dated their philosophy is. They believe in, or at least the city and the fans and the media believe in going, they won't ever, by the way, if you ever have the unfortunate displeasure of listening to any Bears media, they will relentlessly talk about the 1985 Chicago Bears. Like, they will always reference it as if it's like, bro, shut the fuck up. The 1985 Chicago Bears literally were a football team 40 years ago. There has been so much that has changed in the last 40 years. There have been so many different offensive and defensive 
just breakthroughs in philosophy and you keep on referencing how you guys ran the football a lot and played defense in 1985 will not help you win games in 2023, but really 2024 and 2025. It's ridiculous how bad the Bears are. And embarrassing. It's also one of the many reasons why nobody cares or covers them. And when they do, they put up that absolute donut. What was that horrendous game that they put up? Like a couple of weeks ago. I don't even remember what it was. I don't know if it was the Chargers or if it was the um, the Panthers game or whatever. It was just a bad, bad, bad game that nobody wanted to watch. And the Bears have just been god-awful all season. And it's just been an embarrassment of epic proportions. Anything else I got to talk about here today? Primetime games. Man, NBC cannot get good primetime games. I'm tired of them putting on god-awful primetime games. If you're going to schedule a bad team, at least make it so that way America doesn't have to watch two bad teams play football. My God, man. Stop it. Jesus Christ. My God. Because they keep putting on bad primetime games. Jets versus Raiders last week on Sunday Night Football. And then this week we get the absolutely god awful Vikings versus Broncos. And I'm like, dude, put me out of my fucking misery. And then luckily Monday night football is Kansas City versus the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's actually pretty good. We'll actually have something to look forward to there. But there really isn't anything exciting. And this is supposed to be the week, the weeks where primetime games are supposed to highlight huge teams with huge playoff aspirations. We're supposed to get the shitty primetime games out of the way. Bears play next week on Monday Night Football against the Vikings. Why? Why? I know Kirk... I mean, we're going back-to-back primetime games Sunday and Monday Night Football. Why is that a thing? Why didn't you get these horrendous primetime games out of the way early on in the season as if America wants to see Justin Fields and also Kirk Cousins play on Monday Night Football in the middle of, in late November. And I know that these games were scheduled before these players got hurt and before we knew the fabric of the teams. But my God, man, I mean, literally, during that same week of the Bears versus Vikings on primetime, you get Bills versus Eagles. It's like, how is that not how is that not the game that you have on? Kansas City versus, uh, versus uh, the Raiders, you know? 49ers versus Seattle. I mean, that's a Thursday night game. That's on. Oh, never mind. These games are on Thanksgiving. But my point is, like, I just, I just don't understand why they pick some of the worst primetime games ever. When it's like we have huge games going on, I just don't understand it. Anyways, Kansas City versus Philadelphia is going to be an absolutely huge game, where Kansas City is looking to once again continue their streak. Eagles, after a huge win against Dallas two weeks ago, looking to essentially continue, not really their streak, but their success overall after the win in Dallas. Because essentially this is when their difficult stretch forms, right? Chiefs this week, Bills next week, 49ers the week after, Cowboys, and then Seattle. You get out from under these five games, you're pretty much the one seed. If you can't win against, and I think they'll win against the Bills, they could potentially lose against the Niners, 
and the Cowboys. We'll see about Seattle here in a couple of weeks. But the Eagles versus the Chiefs is going to be a very, very important indicator of where this team will finish off essentially at the end of the season. I'm a little bit tired right now. Forgive me. But this game is huge. It's monumental. It's important for the Eagles. They need this win. They have to have it. We'll see what happens. It's pretty much the only like fascinating and interesting game, I think, going on this weekend as I'm like skimming the games here. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Bengals was another one, but we all know what happened. Joe got hurt, and then at that point, I don't even think it was the game was favoring the Bengals. But, yeah, the Eagles going up against the Chiefs is, is the only other big game, and it's on Monday. So, Sunday is going to be ver- very boring. I'm going to have three games, three podcasts on Sunday as well. It's going to be awesome. I'm not taking any more breaks because I don't have school or work. Also, in sports news, but it's esports news, SKT, SK Telecom will be, God, man, at 3 o'clock in the morning, tomorrow morning, will be going up against, I don't even know who they're going up against. This is video game stuff, esports. SK Telecom will be going up against, in the world finals, I haven't really talked about it that much because I haven't really been able to watch it, but I have been catching up on it over the last couple of weeks. But SK Telecom, or technically T1 is they're now called, but I just call them SKT, uh, SK Telecom or SKT. But this team, this video game sports team is going up against WBG tomorrow. And they essentially, SKT has essentially the LeBron James, the Michael Jordan, the Tom Brady, all wrapped into one guy. They have essentially that equivalent on their team in Faker. Faker is this phenomenal video game player who's been playing video games, who's been playing this specific video game called League of Legends for over 10 years, and he's been dominating. He's gone to multiple world championships, which is essentially like the Super Bowl for League of Legends, which is the video game that he plays. He's gone to multiple. He's lost multiple in the last couple of years, but he really was, he was essentially the New England Patriots. Like he had this huge great run at the start of his career midway through his career like Tom Brady he started to lose more and more championships while also going to championships and now this may be the best year that he's that he has the best chance that he has to win another world championship and he may not have a lot more left in him because I mean he's a professional athlete essentially he like he made like he's essentially one of the top tier athletes on the planet in regards to League of Legends. And we don't know how many more huge championship games that he has left in him. At least I don't. But he's been awesome. He's been awesome this season. He had an injury this year as well that kind of kept him out for uh, for huge portions of it. But now he's back. Now he's dominating. Now he's winning more games. And wow, man. Wow, 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 wow. Is Faker just having a phenomenal Uh, season this season or worlds specifically but then on top of that you also have formula one which i haven't really talked about past like a certain point because again it's just been max or stappen dominating the grid and the paddock and all that good stuff but formula one has happened is going on in vegas it's been a bit of a disaster if i'm 100 honest with you it's been a bit of a disaster in the context of formula one 
has um has really made a just a mockery of Vegas. A lot of people aren't happy. There is some issue with the track and with the track and like a manhole cover coming out from the ground and like damaging the cars. I mean, it was just, it's been a disaster for the most part. Vegas was obviously not ready to have this race at in Las Vegas. And then on top of that, you also have the, uh, you also have like all of the drivers essentially speaking out against the race on top of that. Uh, a lot of the fans are like, yeah, we don't really want the race there either to be honest with you as well, but the race will continue later tonight. And then it'll be Abu Dhabi, which is like the final race of the season. And then we will go into the postseason, or not the postseason, but we'll go into the off season, excuse me. And we won't have formula one for like the next four months. And hopefully the other teams will be able to figure out how to get the gap closer to Red Bull because Red Bull is just, is on a completely different level when it comes to all of the teams on the grid and on the paddock. They're just significantly better than all these teams and none of the teams have figured out how to beat Red Bull and hopefully next season, at the very least, they can start giving some of their drivers better cars to be able to compete with Red Bull. They should have enough data by now because, my God, I mean, even the Red Bull design has been leaked. Maybe not leaked, but it's been shown to other drivers or not to other drivers, but to other teams because of the, uh, the crashes with Sergio Perez at Monaco and other places and at other tracks, like the advantages that Red Bull has had over the rest of the grid should somewhat dissipate. And if they don't, then I blame all of the teams that aren't paying attention to whatever the hell Red Bull is doing. Anyways, I'm peacing out. I will see you tomorrow. We'll cast the Cowboys versus the Panthers. And then I don't, I don't want to cast the other. I'll, we'll cast that game and then we'll come back later on. Um, on Sunday night football because I don't want to watch. I don't want to maybe not watch is the best way to describe it, but I don't want to have to cast the Sunday night football game where it's like the Vikings versus somebody else. What is it? Who are they going up against? Yeah, Vikings versus Broncos. I don't want to cast that. I'll like loosely watch it in the background, but I don't want to like actively watch it. I want it to be, you know, I want it to be there, but I also don't want to watch it. Anything else? Anything else I got to say? Um... I definitely forgot something, but I'm a little bit tired and I want to take a nap. But I'm peacing out for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, 24's podcast.